BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Misfit Toys. Hey. How are you? Well, well, well. Today is Friday, the 30th of December. The year is 2022. Wow. So, today is a best of episode. Now, I know you could go back and listen to these episodes yourself, but sometimes it's a little overwhelming. So, we just, you know, we just figured we'd put one up for you. Now, this one, I don't think we've ever reposted. It's the uh, first episode we did. The only thing that's missing from that episode that I love is Aristotle. He was about a year after this. But Katie's there, and we love Katie. Katie, 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 Katie. So um, that's what we're posting today. It's me. I th- I, is it Chris Burden or Sensitive? Uh, so... Um, and it's me, Daniel Kino, Katie, and Tom Martin. There's probably a few other people on there too. Uh, so it's, you know, it was like over 10 years ago. So I hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy your new year. And uh, there's not much to say. We'll be back. Oh, next week is just uh, Todd Glass live from the studio all by myself. For an hour and a half. So I think I might just scroll through all the things I never get to on my email, like songs I want to play, all this stuff that you know you just never get to and it and it and it backpiles. Is that the word? No, it back gets back. I don't know what. So I'm in uh, like I said, I'm at the creek in the cave tonight. Last night I was there too, the 29th, and then tonight the 30th. And then tomorrow, two shows for New Year's Eve. Um, in case you live in Austin, I'll tell you this. But the way we do a New Year's Eve show is it will end, my portion of it will end at quarter of 12. And then I'll be like, hey, folks, I'll see you back at midnight. Then we go off stage. I go off stage. And then about, you know, three minutes before midnight, me and the other comedian will and the, uh, and the who else, you know, will come back onto the stage and bring in the New Year. And then they have a DJ. 
So, you know, if you're like, you wanted to see a show, but afterwards you wouldn't mind just being in the presence of music or maybe even dancing a little. But I think it'll be fun music. I said, let's do a lot of fun, like Havana Gila, disco, and then whatever else you were normally going to play. But I think I, I like when clubs do that. You know, you overwhelmingly want to come out and see a stand-up show, but once it turns midnight, you wouldn't mind a little energy and, you know, just to turn people out into the street after... Uh, you know, at 12.30, where else are they going to go? So you may as well provide them some entertainment after the show. All right, bobbity ba ba bloomity bing bong boom So I feel like there's so much I should say, but uh, there's not. This is the best of show, and uh, you now join the Todd Glass Show best of show already in progress. what he might say you know that Todd Glass show is always crazy so grab your kids and friends and dogs and listen to this podcast thingy that's right I said this podcast thingy now listen up there is a company called C-A-R-V-I and Carvin they give the Todd Glass Show a bunch of stuff so he can do the stuff he needs to with the audio. They have guitars, basses, speakers, amplifiers, mixers too. That's Carvin, C-A-R-V-I-N dot com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the microphone... Using audio gear provided by Carvin, the one, the only, Todd Glass. Hello and welcome to the Todd Glass Show. Uh, I am Paul F. Tompkins. I'm filling in for Todd. Um, We have a great show for you. Thank you so much for downloading it, no matter where you are. If you're at the gym or in the car or just doing chores around the house, um, we're very happy that... uh, that you have selected this show to listen to. So um, we're going to have a lot of great stuff. Uh, but before we get to that, just a quick uh, just a quick story. You know when you're in the, the supermarket parking lot, right? It's uh, a lot of times, most supermarkets, it's very, uh, very tight uh, quarters, you know, when you're in there. And um, personally, I like to uh, back into the space um, so I can get out. Uh, quickly, because I hate the the backing up in the supermarket parking lot. It's it's like you're taking your life in your hands with people, you know, because people are not everybody's as respectful as you are, and I'm assuming that you are a very respectful person. 
Um, but, you know, you, you might back out of there and people are, like, zooming through. You're only supposed to go five miles an hour, and some people are tearing through there like it's Le Mans or something. And um, the problem with the, with the way I like to park is it takes a lot longer to do. And I feel like even though I've gotten really good at it, really good at it, it is still sometimes an involved process you know, to make, um, let's say, a 75-point turn. Okay, there we go. I got you, son of a bitches. I got you fucking good. You thought that Paul Tompkins was hosting the first show. Here we are. This is the first show. I'm going to be right where I'm at. Across from me is my longtime friend. How many years have we known each other, Tom? 85, 86, We were 15 years old, or maybe 10. <clears throat> and Daniel Kino is to my right. Who, uh, What's up, buddy? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show, the first one. Hey, shh. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Katie, the producer. Hello. How are you? I'm good. All right, well, let's do this. You ready? We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back <laughs> right after this. We'll take a break. Lots of laughs, lots of fun, lots of stuff for everyone. Gather around your radio for the Todd Glass Show. Your whole family will have a blast listening to his podcast. It's time to start, so here we go. The Todd Glass Show. The Todd Glass Show. The Todd Glass Show. All right. I love my jingles. All right. Now we're back. Now we're ready. We're here. The jingles are over. Hi, everybody. Are they really over? They'll never be over. I love jingles, as you both know. I can't. Uh, there's so many. You Wait do you see how many jingles. If it was up to me, I would just roll every jingle in right now. But anyway, we're here. We are. How, how, how is everybody? I'm good. Just got off work. And, and Daniel, you're doing all right? I'm doing great. Katie? I'm good. Okay. I was, you know, I was up all last night, and I decided I was nervous. Here's what I was nervous about: that I wouldn't have, <laughs> that I would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> and I was nervous too because whenever we're together, we have nothing but hilarious things to talk about. We but do. what if one, one, the microphone goes on? Yeah, and then it's just not hilarious. I know. Well, yeah, I, I got here, and Todd goes, "So, what do you want to talk about?" Go, oh my God, I didn't think of anything. We just we never run out of stuff to talk about in real life. Yes, but Todd, you said something that I agree with, and that I think is a good strategy to try is to not be prepared and just sort of see what comes out of the moment. Okay, this isn't working. I'm getting <laughs> very nervous. Okay, good because I brought some stuff that oh, I prepared. Okay, so did I. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to sneak my act in yeah. in the next <laughs> hour. <laughs> On the first podcast. Right, just abandon the strategy right off the bat. <laughs> I have a bit we can do to start out. Yes. Reroll the intro. And then what if off we were yelling, like I was yelling at everybody. I'm a prick, but everyone hears it. Uh-huh. Okay. That's good. Can you Can you reroll that intro? Already. Right with the bits. I love getting right to the bits. Okay? So play it and my, leave the mics on. You guys have nothing to fucking talk about? No, no, you told me to not prepare. I would have prepared. You guys have, this is the fucking bullshit. And you sit, I got nothing but Tom, if you're coming on the show, you bring a few fucking things to talk about. All right, Todd, in his defense, you, you said the same thing to me. Yeah. You said, yeah, but I would pre- I would have preferred if you guys, if you're happy the on the first fucking show, that you bring something to fucking discuss, something to the table. Well, we can talk about whatever you want. You don't have to yell. No, we will. When, I'm not going to yell when we get off the air. When I get on the air, I'll calm down and I'll be all right. But this is just fucking all right. That bit's over. <laughs> I love ending bits when you don't want to do them anymore. Remember you used to think, oh, we got to commit to the bit. That's the, You know what? That's what's... 
Someone asked me, they go, I was saying bad, new sketch. You know, when you go to see new sketch groups, if you're not seeing the best of the best, the UCB right. on the weekends, obviously. Yeah, the they're, 6 they're, p.m. Wednesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you go, well, hey, what's – and it was a really good question. My brother asked me. He goes, well, what's – hey, new stand-up. I mean, is that – and I go, that's a good question. I took a second. I go, here's the difference. A sketch might at least last five minutes, and if they're trying, they don't break character. At least with comedy, you can, if you can reference it. You can say, oh, that didn't work, or you, know, you can be in the moment, and it's three to five minutes. Right. And I just feel like the next person could be somebody that's performed for two years and they're better. And then you get a guy who's only done it a month. And then you get – so it's a little easier to go right. see, to, to see stand-up than it is bad sketch. Is it, is it rare that you would see a sketch group that is terrible but they have two great sketches but the rest of them are shit? Not so much. I think that in my experience, you go to UCB or whatever – it's pretty much the same. Right. Their so if you quality suck, is their quality. You suck, and if you're good, you're good. Right. I went to the UCB, uh, I think, once on a weekend, and I was blown away how good it was. Yeah, the weekend shows are really good. Oh, I was like, I did not, mm-hmm. I did not, I was like not ready for how, how enjoyable it would you, be. You know what's happening recently? My daughter, who's 19, has discovered. Oh, gross. I know. Can you believe it? Dude, don't admit that on my show. I have young <laughs> friends. Say your granddaughter's 19. My granddaughter. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go all the way? <laughs> she, Bobby Miyamoto, by the way, his granddaughter just turned 41. Happy birthday, Michelle. That's right. I'm, I'm dating her kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have joked. No one knows how old Bobby Miyamoto is, so we always kid like, hey, Bobby, we saw your granddaughter the other day. She's doing fine. Um, what were you going to say well, about your 19-year-old? she discovered comedy. And I don't know if you remember that enthusiasm you had when you first discovered comedy, where you want to see it every night. So she went to the UCB and saw a funny show. And then she went back the next night. Then she went back and bringing friends here. And then she's so into it, and she thinks it's so funny. It, it just it reminds me of when I used to think things were funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great, though, that 19 years old, because I thought about that. I go, like, when you see kids now, like, when you do a college show or, you you know, you kids that are, you know, 19, 21 or whatever, I would, I think, where was I? I was in Philadelphia, you know, and I would never gone up to a baby, you know, and gone, hey, you know, soon you'll come see my show and we'll smoke pot afterwards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, it's crazy because I remember when I was 19 or 20 and my college had at a comedian and it was Jay Leno. And I saw Jay Leno perform and my head hurt, my stomach hurt from laughing so hard. And then the whole time I'm just thinking in bits for the next week because I couldn't believe how anything could be so funny. I, I remember winning a raffle to go pick Jay Leno up. Because he was working in Philadelphia, and we had to pick a raffle because everyone wanted to go pick him up. He was working in West Orange, New Jersey, and I won the raffle. I picked him up in my parents' station wagon, and uh, my brothers were in the car. This was me. two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Daniel. Turn his mic off. <laughs> um, I don't, it was a long time ago, but he was. And then I have a. I remember one of my favorite jokes. He was like, "He was, yeah, yeah, God forbid you have a motorcycle these days. You know, you, you, everyone always thinks they're going to tell you a story. You know." You know, you're in the supermarket and somebody comes up to you. Yeah, my uncle had a motorcycle, drove straight into a threshing machine. He, he won't be shaving for a while. <laughs> Why do you do Wayne Cotter impression? Went with another pile. <laughs> so here's what I thought I would do. First of all, because it is the first show, um, we are uh, high top Black Horse Motors on the beautiful La Cienica Strip. And we're overlooking, just to give people the setting where we're at, we're overlooking, we're in, uh, we're in a, it's an old sort of brick building, a brick building. <laughs> And then there's a, there's a loft upstairs that's all glassed in. That's where we are. And then down there are the showroom. Know, it's a showroom. And there's what type of cars are they, Daniel? Like I, I know I know These there's are a- mostly Ferraris, and they range from uh, early '60s 
to I think that one is from 2010. And they ha- and they all have a story, which is amazing. That car over there, they found in a barn. Like, just guy didn't even know what he had, and I think they ripped them off and got that for about thirty bucks. Um, but no, there's amazing <laughs> that cars here. Is, uh, I think it used to be Pat Boone's. I mean, it's just yeah, it's amazing. It's really really great. So, and it is the first show. So I thought, and and um, I thought uh, last night I was like, oh, I hope Tom's the right guest, and Daniel, he is, he is. I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure. <laughs> Can I just say this about cars? Yeah, Ferrari, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know John Regi? He once said something that I think is true. If you're driving anything better than a Camry, you're just showing off. Because it's the perfect car. I've had three do Camrys. You say, you say that because you have a Camry? I have three. I've had three Camrys. <laughs> but always crack me up because they never break down. I've had three of them. They go for 200,000 miles. But you don't see what somebody would get out of getting a, having a toy like that? There's no part of you that would enjoy getting a... I have a, to say... Well, wait, hold on. What? Hold on. No? I, I have to say, I'm not... Yeah. The typical cars I don't care about. Like, I don't care about a Jaguar or whatever. But I have to respect that people do because... There are cars. Like, I know if I had, you know, what I always say, like, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld money or Jim Carrey money or that type of money, I could see myself not having, you know, 50 cars, but I certainly would want to redo the station wagon we had growing up in 1970. So let me get this right. You're saying you'd rather have a, far- a Ferrari than lining your street with 37 Camrys? <laughs> Can you imagine the respect you'd get from your neighbors if they saw, damn, look at Todd's Camry collection? He's really making some good choices. <laughs> I, I, is there, there's no car like if you had money like there. Uh, if, if seriously, if you had if, if money, money was not even an object, you just won it. Okay, well then, I if there's such thing as a red Barchetta from that Rush song, then yes, I don't know if it really exists. What's that mean? It was a song by Rush in in high school. Red Barchetta. Barchetta. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Yeah. There's, somewhere, there's someone it right. who knows Rush. That's hey, oh, by the way, let me up. say this. So in the first episode, speaking of saying things right, when, um, uh, I, I'm always worried. I, I will say things wrong. I do flip words. And I feel like if I say it now, matter of fact, Katie, you want to mark this and put it on every show in the opening theme. Um, and by the way, I want to thank Andrew Fortada for doing that opening theme today at 1 o'clock. And that was pretty funny. I loved it, you know. And he played my message that I left for him, even though I told him not to, but I said it was all right. But um, Andrew Fortada, let's take a second and really appreciate that. Whoa. Okay. Um, so where was I? Oh, so I'll say words wrong. And then when I listen to the podcast, I, I, I go, oh, and I know people are home going, he said that wrong. He said it wrong. Let's all go into this knowing that, first of all, anybody can say words wrong, but I do a lot. I'll twist things. I'll flip them. I'll say I cried, so I, uh, I swelled up, but it's not. It's welled up. And I know just once – I feel like if I say it, then people won't be bothered when it happens. Mm-hmm. But then – then I think, who am I bothering? Like, who's really... Well, that's cool, because it's not like your job requires that you communicate clearly. No, so. you have to be who you are, is what I heard. Oh, damn. Yeah. That was deep. Yeah, you just have to be who you are. That's what Larry King said, I heard. And you're Don't the guy who to... flips words. Yes. It's okay. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so so uh, then, then I figured I would... And also, I want to um, uh, nerd us for uh, doing this. And, I, and I, the reason I'm bringing them up is, first of all, Chris Hardwick was great, because he just goes... Yeah, do what you want to do. There you go. That's the conversation we had about this podcast. But we've talked about this a lot. I don't know if you've ever read stuff or, you know, when people write things online. And I, I swear to you, I'm not just saying this, but I try, I don't, I'm not going to, when it comes to the podcast, when, when I did my last podcast, I didn't read anything except the stuff they forwarded to us that was creative. Mm. I didn't read one thing because I don't own a computer. It's very easy. I said, forward us things that are and honest. You know, when people try to trick you, they go, hey, we love your show, but, but then you read it, they don't fucking love the show. Mm-hmm. But if someone genuinely likes the show and they have input, I said, yeah, put those through. People, real, real fans that have a criticism, yes, obviously, but anything else I never read. But the tweets, since they come on the phone, uh, can crush me. 
They can crush me. And I know they shouldn't. And people want to tell you logically. They go, you know, when your friends try to make you feel better, and I get it. They'll be like, you can't. I get it. I get it. I have that side of my brain, too, that says, come on. I could, I could, write, a, I could write a page on why that stuff shouldn't bother you. But, bother you. but still, it does. But um, I read some of the tweets from – I never really got a lot of tweets from the Nerdist fans. Is that what you call them? Yes. Yeah, I hope so. Until I did the show. And they're all so nice. And like I thought, oh, maybe this is why it's worth reading them because you can flip by the bad ones. And they were all so nice. They made me feel good. One kid just goes, how's your day? And after I had just, out of all things to make me flip, I got a tweet. I Daniel Tosh had a live remote where he did um, – Instead of having people run around the neighborhood and block traffic, he set up 60 or 100 treadmills in Hermosa Beach. And everybody ran for a, you know, for, for whatever, for a cause, I guess, or whatever. It was like a big event. And it was all these treadmills. It was great. And they had a big stage and they had performers. And all of a sudden, there's swing dancing and you're on your treadmill running. Some girl, out of all things to get me, she goes, uh, no offense, but I saw Todd at, the, uh, at your event. I'm probably saying it half right, but she wrote, uh, what was he doing there? No, you think, well, that's not the worst thing in the world. It bothered me. So out of all things, I've never responded. You know what I wrote? I go, he invited me, you cunt. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it weird that as long as you've been in the business, and me too when I did stand-up, that when you're putting yourself out there, you know you're going to get some rejection, and you know that you're going to experience this, and yet it still sinks in. That's the weird thing. You think that you would get thick enough skin and get past it, but still – you feel it. Yeah, and I think it's because you, you respond to the compliments so much because you crave those and you seek those out, and it's the same door. I think that gets in through the same door, so that's kind of you know that's right. right. That's a good point because the yeah. night before my special on Saturday, which we'll talk about, trust me, don't worry, um, <laughs> uh, I, I thought, you know, don't read them. You know, mm-hmm. because I did Jimmy Kimmel on Thursday, and I thought, don't read them. And I read them, and one was so nice, a really just sweet one. It made me feel real good. And then I said, stop. Stop on the nice one. And I read one more, and it was nice. And I went, Todd, stop. Of course, I read it till it was one negative one. <laughs> Some people wrote, oh, well, we, we have an email that we'll address that later. But, yeah, so out of all things. And then somebody sent me something and that, that really I, I, did, I thought it was a good thing that they sent me. They sent me it was a cartoon, and it says, Todd, don't be this guy. And it says – a cartoon of a guy going, hold all my calls. Someone on the internet is wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I know there's people that do respond brilliantly. And I think, well, I could be that person. But I probably can't be. So I just decided that when I get my new phone, I'm telling Matthew Meyer to take my tweet mentions off. I don't want to read them anymore. It gets me too upset. You cunt. Out of all things to get me upset, that's what it got me upset. And then, by the way, she tweeted back. And Turns she, out that she was that was actually a put down on Daniel. She was like, "What was Todd doing there? Because he's so talented." <laughs> she continues and, and, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't finish. Let me finish. <laughs> she goes. She said, "I said no offense." I thought, "Oh my Aww. god!" And then I know I'm dealing with that. And I know at this point, it, I get it. That's when you have to just stop right. yourself. It's your neuroses, and it's uh, right. That's when anyway. it's like I'm no racist, but I know I always and, say that. They, they never say. They never say, I'm not a racist, but I sure like jelly beans. Like, oh, that's not racist. <laughs> right out of the act. So, um, you know what? Somebody uh, – well, I guess we Whatever. Could, Can I yeah. ask uh, him a question? I'm just fascinated by this. You quit stand-up? Yes. Yes, I had children. And then uh, I remember I was on, I was on um, the road. I was in Austin. What was the laugh stop in Austin, mm-hmm. I think? Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this guy on, on stage – ahead of me and he's doing this whole routine about his wife and kids at home and i was looking at this guy going this is sad he shouldn't be in a bar with a bunch of people getting drunk he should be home with his wife and kids and i realized 
I should be home with my <laughs> wife and kids too. So that's when I really tried to learn how to to write because I would be. How gone. old were you? Uh, I suppose I was about thirty, and Careful. and then. Um, yeah, so and, but, but I would go think- away, but I wouldn't see my kids for a week or two or three, and I would come back, and they would be completely different people in a totally different level of development, and it was heartbreaking. I couldn't stand it, so I, I, had to, I found a way to stay home, and then luckily I wasn't that funny. So uh, Do you miss it? <laughs> do you miss the stand-up? I do, and it, at some point I would like to just completely dust off my act, especially the ones that are really steeped in the era of the 80s and 90s. I used to... And just just do the thing verbatim. Only play a character <laughs> who's getting back into you, it. You like a time machine guy who just got off a time, a comedian. Just, from right. A just time. explain to the audience that, look, I've been out of this for a while, and I hope you'll bear with me because I haven't been on... I used to work a lot, and uh, I haven't been on stage uh, for like 20 great. years, and I wonder you know, if this stuff still works. You let me do one of your jokes after you quit. You I gave you all of my material. The one I loved was to go... I'm going to probably should do it, you know, not the best, but if a guy is... It's, it's, it's not a t- I thought it was a good joke, even though it starts the basis of it, you might think, you know compare guys to girls but I, th- I love this joke you go if, if a uh, if a girl's depressed she might be honest where she's at with her depression and deal with it honestly she'll be like oh i'm depressed and i'm fat but a guy often will be like ah oh, just i'm depressed my girlfriend's fat <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to hear how people do it differently because if i remember how i did it i think i would say uh do you ever notice when a woman is depressed she thinks oh i'm fat and then when a guy's depressed he thinks man my girlfriend's fat. And that was the, the I think joke. you're always better. I try to make it positive. I always try to – I have a bad habit, and I think I got it in my head from – from. I heard Jay Leno talking once about always make – don't make yourself the bad person in a joke. So from that I took, you make the woman good. Like a woman will be honest with herself, and right. that way women laugh. But fuck right. that. Do what you want, you know. Um, so – but but Tom, I, I think it's worth it since it's the, the, the first show. I'm going to mention that a lot already. I'm afraid people are going, all right, stop mentioning it's the first show. It's eating my head already um we met did we we didn't talk about this did we we no. met and when i moved to california you lived in irvine right Right. i was going to uc irvine and i had just recently graduated i met you out front of the irvine improv the old irvine improv and it was like you i felt like it was you me doug benson would hang out a lot and yeah and jim hope and mm-hmm. uh that whole group I, it was everybody was i loved that group yeah i thought we really all had like we don't have to go god we didn't appreciate it i think we did I think so, too. We were having a blast. It was a great time. You missed it, Daniel. Oh, uh, my God. Basically, it was... it was like this. You get out of college. You see a couple of stand-up shows. You get hired to be an MC, And then there were so many one-nighters. Immediately, you were making more money than a substitute like teacher. Late 80s? <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. There was so <clears> much <throat> work. Guys, let's agree when we're it talking. It 90s. was 97. Right. 97, not 87. I saw that thing, speaking of teachers... Uh, what did you just said? What did you, well, I my other job teacher. was substitute teacher, and uh, oh, good. Then I can ask you this. Yes, because you know, I, I always I always like you know it's, you get a better. I saw this thing on document a documentary the other night about the uh, teachers and the tenure, how it makes them hard to get rid of bad teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, unions do a lot of great things, mm-hmm. but with do you have any input on do you have any input on this? You feel like because I know oh, you yeah, haven't taught. Yeah. Them. So is the tenure the way they were making it sound like in this documentary, which, by the way, was a lot of teachers talking and principals and teachers. Is, it, is that just keep bad teachers around way too long? Gosh, it's not quite that simple. I think that that uh, there I have mixed feelings because as a teacher, I see it as important. But as a parent and watching my kids 
go through the Los Angeles Unified School District and uh, then pulling them out to go to private schools and then putting them back in, there's so much dead weight, so many bad teachers. And, um, you know, kids can use a a year at a time. Go ahead. How do you feel about about charter schools? Yeah, well, my kids are at a charter school, and I think that it's a little better because I think it's harder to get tenure. Now, how do they – do they get along with the kids that are retarded? All right, come on, people. This is all I got, you son of a <laughs> bitches. It's free. Go. Yes. Hey, um, speaking of uh, teachers, I guess we can sort of fl- – uh, we may as well – this is a good time. Read the one email because I almost flipped by it really quick, and it has to do with teachers and a really fond memory I have of – you know, and then I didn't know I, – I think I did know it very quickly that he was a really good teacher. But read the email. His name – his Mr. Smedley was my teacher, and, um, he, I, and I really liked him a lot. And the reason I have a fond memory of him is that I didn't want – he might not even remember this. He, I, I flunked 11th grade. I'm pretty sure 11th, went to 10th. I went, yeah, and I didn't want to go anywhere with my I, – I had to go to a 10th grade class. That means when we went to, like, assemblies and stuff. How about assemblies? Mm. Shouldn't life have assemblies? No, we need more assemblies. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing today? Well, I have an assembly. Get you out of work. Because you can ditch it, too. Yeah. So, uh, so you can now go. Yes. I get it. So, so um, Mr. Smedley would let me go with the 11th grade class. His name's Mr. Smedley. Yeah, he would let me go with the 11th grade class to things so I didn't have to go with the 10th grade class, which I was to, to show that I flunked. <laughs> so he was, I really liked him, and he had a great sense of humor, and I, and I thought he did. Like, he, got, he would laugh at my jokes. I, I thought he had a great sense of humor. And he said, By what did he his write? jokes, he means touch his penis. Yes. <laughs> he wrote, hi, Todd. I am still following your career, also your tweets, and I am glad for your continued success. Question, was the Kimmel routine where you took the role of host a variation of what you did to teachers in high school? I seem to remember you wanting to take over the class like that and succeeding sometimes. Yeah, I I know I've heard other comedians talk about this. So I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't the only one because I thought I was. My teacher, if I behaved, some of my teachers would let me perform at the end of the class. And um, I remember one time Mr. Smedley was showing us a camera. This is, this, is, I, this is what I felt bad. I knew I was a dick when I did this by the way he reacted. And he might hear this and be embarrassed, but I thought it made him so human. And I remember it so clearly. He goes, whatever you do to a camera, you just don't touch the lens. Of course, I touch the lens. And he goes, get out of here. Get out of here. Just get out of here. I go, where, where, where do I go? He goes, I don't care where you go. Walk around the goddamn school. I left, and I felt horrible. I really felt horrible. I was like, oh, my God, and he felt horrible. And you too. did it to get a laugh. I did it to get a laugh, but I don't want to be a mo- – you can still be young and have – you know, you can be young and still not be, be dumb. Respectful. Right? Yeah, I don't want to be – You shouldn't have touched the camera, but in your defense, what? why would tell a him teacher this. He's listening. tell did he make a, a wise-ass – kid who's already flunked 10th grade not to touch a camera how he's gonna you? make a beeline for the camera and touch it by You're... now i hope mr schmedley knows that schmedley how dare you schmedley <laughs> how about mr schmedley tweeting by the way how old is he now well what do you think he's he's not 90 my mom tweets we'll be right back um, <laughs> um so so i felt bad and then afterwards i remember him being very well of course he was apologetic he was afraid i'd report him to the uh, principal but anyway um mm-hmm. no he was very apologetic and i felt bad i remember going no no you don't have to apologize i, I felt felt horrible and he was very nice and he goes that's not he goes i lost my temper and that's my job not to lose my temper and i was like but i was like no 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 i deserved it and um and so he's come to a few shows and i i, I have a so I look back now, now I remember my teachers that were bad, and I remember my teachers that were good. 
And I had one more. I was in also in a, in a class, Mrs. Worth, and she, we, it was for kids that had learning disabilities. But you just had to go in there two classes a day. And then when the bell rang, you went back into the hallway and went to your normal classes. And no one wanted to be seen coming out of there. So she's come to show since, and I told this story. She couldn't even believe I remembered or it meant that much to me. I'm like, of course that meant that much to me. So here's what she would do. She'd let us out five minutes early. So we can out of the AP classes you're talking. It's embarrassing to be in the smart classes. Is that? Oh no, Tom. I, no. Was, I had a different story. Than oh, you. honors. You were in honors. Boy, AP or honors. What was it? I was. You were in college. I college was, classes. Learn. Yes, college. I, I, I was out of telling the truth. I was in, you know, for re- it was called the resource room. Right, so, I know. It's so embarrassing to be what? in the top classes. And like everyone's like, no, Tom, oh, there wasn't top classes. Resources what? like what? America's best resources are being created so, in this room. I'm trying to have a nice moment here, and well, you guys are shitting well, you all said over you're it. Coming out of the. <gasps> oh, the dumb classes. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you I'm retarded? Sorry. We weren't dumb. <laughs> Who's the comedian that says, oh, I should give him credit? I can't do the joke unless I can give him credit. What, unless we, he goes, no, no, I can't do the joke because I don't think it's fair to do someone's joke unless no, you can give him credit. Right. I can't. I can't. Right. And I'll think of his name. But, but anyway. so so because you couldn't think of his name. Yeah. So one time we were misbehaving, and she goes, you're not going to get out of here five minutes early. And, uh, you know, and we wouldn't listen. And she goes, that's it. You're going to stay. So it was like 30 seconds from the bell ring. And I remember thinking, she's not letting us out early. And about 20 seconds away, she went... Get out of here. I'll think of some way to punish you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, thank God. I didn't want to be seen coming out of that class. And a lot of teachers would have said, no, you shouldn't be embarrassed. You know, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. But I like that she dealt with us as kids that were embarrassed. Don't, you know, that's no time to tell the kids they shouldn't be embarrassed to be mildly retarded. My, uh, I remember the, uh, the teacher that kind of first got me thinking that I, I could do stand-up. Because I moved here. I was from Russia, 15. I didn't speak any English. And um, and then my senior year of high school, I had a speech teacher, Miss Martin, and um, she would just let us do whatever we wanted for speeches. And I would do George Carlin monologues, just you know. And now, uh, was there language in there you didn't realize was bad? Probably. I mean, how how I, old were you at the time? It's like seventeen, sixteen. Wow. Oy. So uh, and she goes, yeah, it's fine. And then I like I would, and then I wrote my own things. And, and then she goes, you should try stand up comedy. I think that might be. And I was in love with stand up American stand up comedy, especially at that point. No, not Yakov Smirnoff. You were. That's like, my dad. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah. then, so then I get into comedy, and you know, years went by, but you know, blah blah blah. Seven eight years later, I live in L.A. And um, I'm jo- I used to, I went to high school in L.A. So then I I moved, then I came back. And then I'm jogging with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm, and I see her, the teacher, Miss Martin, sitting on a bench. She's talking to somebody, and I was just amazed. And I stop, and I go, hey, Miss, Miss Martin, I don't know if you remember me. She's like, uh, uh, can I help you? And I go, hey, I was Daniel. I was from Russia. I was in your speech class. You told me I should be truck stand-up. I'm a comedian now. It's amazing. You were. She goes, uh, keep jogging. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. Maybe gosh. she saw your act. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you know what? No, no. So edit that out. Thought, she thought, I don't know if she didn't recognize would, me. Or, I know, but even if she didn't, she knows she's a teacher. Wow, she that, just goes, yeah, keep jogging. Because you know what? Uh, most yeah. teachers, I'm surprised. I would say maybe just my experience and my brother's experience. Um, they have a crazy memory. Well, I did make her have an abortion when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that... That could have been why. I remember my in, in um 
when I was in Las Vegas working, the, the, uh, I got a call in my room, which is always scary when your hotel uh, phone rings. Because who calls you in a hotel room? <laughs> right. Didn't we right. talk about this, Daniel? Yeah, why do they even have yes. hotel phones? Yeah, whenever it rings, I look out the so window to somebody... see if there's a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> somebody you, you don't want to talk to. You weren't expecting. Right. So, so she, she uh, says she's – you know how these stories are. You, 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 even though it wasn't that long ago, you, you, I sort of remember that. And then she came to the show. She was coming up the elevator. And as always, you always think your teachers are so much older than they were. Like she came up the elevator, and I was trying to guess who it was. And I, I swear she had the same haircut, like right across the front, like cut like with scissors. And um, she, we're talking and everything. And then she goes, yes, I remember your mom. She wanted to come to every uh, event we had, like if we were on a school trip or if we were going. And I said, you know what? I think you have the wrong person. Like I go, I think you do. And I don't know. I, I thought I needed to say that because I just knew that wasn't my mom. Like my right. mom, for lack of a better word, my mom's really hip. Like she, she wasn't a typical mom overbearing. She was like a cool mom. She was like a hippie in her own day. And she goes, you had a brother, Spencer and Corey, if I remember. I go, okay, it's the right mom. So without realizing, I call my mom the next morning. I go, I swear to you. I go, mom, well, how come you wanted to go on every one of our school trips? I talked to our, my kindergarten teacher last night. She goes, whoa, 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 what? And then I go, oh, I should give you the backstory. I go, oh, I was at the thing. And she goes, oh, and she laughed. She went, yes, it's true. She goes, because we weren't living in that neighborhood yet. We were living in, still in like, the city, and I had to drive you boys to school every day. So if there was a class trip, I could go on it. And not have to go all the way home and then all the way. But, like, she remembered that. And she also remembered. So she thought your mom was overbearing. Turns out she was just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let her dr- drive home. What yeah, you gotta- is there a free lunch on this thing? I'm coming. I love my son. Uh, I didn't want my mom to be that person. But anyway, but that was. Uh, she also said I drove a, there was a little scooter and I drove it around backwards for the whole recess. And I go, well, that. That might tell the story. And then that- she goes, do you uh, still do your dad smoking bit? <laughs> <laughs> My dad's dead. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, so here's where we'll go. Wait, real way- quick, can I just say one thing? I'm still hung up on Daniel being from Russia and uh, not having any accent at all. How did, how did you get rid of the accent? I thought if you, if you learned English after age 12, you're kind of stuck with an accent. I think it's 18. I think Is if it? you start to pick up, yeah, the way I had a speech therapist, and the way she explained it to me was the, your jaw muscles and your tongue muscles really stopped developing at around 17, 18. Can you at least do a hilarious Russian accent? Yeah, I used to do a whole thing in my act about the accent and the whole, yeah. Yakov Shmirno? Yakov Shmirno. I, I, I do, do a an, joke. Yeah. I do an impersonation of him of his last day on stage. You know, and it was a little harder to... to he goes, uh, <laughs> Once the wall came down. In yeah. America, they call it... And, uh, fuck it, I got nothing for you people. He walks off the stage. <laughs> um, speaking of, here's how I segue everything together. Speaking of accents that you never lose, Doctor mm-hmm. Ruth never lost her accident. And when I was in Israel opening up for Sarah, we uh, went to synagogue with her sister, who is a rabbi, and we um, uh, sat next to Doctor Ruth. And um, I, re- I really thought I remember looking and going, she was so ahead of her time. Like I know that's oh, yeah. an overused term, but oh, yeah. I realized I was in the presence. I really, I really thought this. And later, Sarah's sister's husband asked me why I thought that. I said, "Well, because yes, of course, there was the part that was silly and giddy, what she was talking about, and you were younger and you would hear her say certain words." But then I think, "Oh my God, that you are brilliant!" Like to talk about that stuff. And how many years ago was that? Thirty years ago, when she was trying to teach people, yes, education, and and that that will. 
Right. That'll make kids, you know, not teaching them apps. To, uh, I can't yeah, even say the word. Yeah, she undid so much damage done by people who are trying to teach abstinence or... Right, the, right. Um, I wanted to meet her. But here's what I was going to ask you. You know, so so we went to Israel, and a lot of people were asking me, hey, did you have an... You know, because I'm Jewish by birth or whatever, however you want to say it, but they were like, did you have a connection? And I was like, you know... I really didn't, and I didn't want to be defined. I really wanted to come back and go, you know what? I don't think of myself as being Jewish or whatever, but I didn't. I didn't want to just come back and say no because it looked like I was just saying it to, to, to be, you know. But the only thing that drew – and again, I'm going to throw this out there, and then you can tell me, like, but if there's any really truth. But are Polish or German or Russian? I mean, how – what is your nearest link to anywhere in the Middle East? It's got to be 400, 500 years away, doesn't it? I mean – I don't even know. What's that? What, uh, we're well, Russian I mean, but, Jews. That, but then you could say that that's kind of for all Jews. I mean, when Israel has only been there for 70 or 80 years some, or even less. Yeah. The Wailing Wall. Or, I mean, prior to the four or however hundred years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, the European Jews became so – I can't believe I'm going to lecture Jewish people on Jews. But the European <laughs> Jews became so separate and distinct from you know, the people in – Oh, that in stayed Jew- in the Middle East yeah. and, and lived there through – Yeah. Yeah. The only the thing that stuck and, with me, and, and tell me either I'm either you go, oh, Todd, you don't really get it, or was this thing that stuck with me, you know, was it was I going, yeah, of course you're right. That we went to the Wailing Wall, and someone goes, you didn't get moved, you didn't get spiritually moved, and I get spiritually moved a lot. You know, it, the weirdest thing is I'm watching television and something hits me, and I'm like, you know, you get, oh, you feel like, you know, you grew. A Verizon commercial. Hayden, yes. Are you being serious? Because I, yeah, me too. Any any sad commercial. But, uh, it's segregated, and I thought, well, if, if what could be more beautiful than that is gross, right? And that doesn't that explain like what if that didn't bother me? The segregation of women are on one side, and you know what makes it even worse? And and and, and I know there's someone out there listening. I know here we go back to the old Todd Glass going, oh, he doesn't understand it. Hey, that's why I talk so people can explain to me so I can understand it. But this is what I took out of it was not only was it segregated and pretty pretty you know ass backwards, the men's side was bigger. Like, that's not enough to go, you know, we want segregated and we want a bigger side. Grow a fuck. So how can you, of course you're having problems like you're having. Oh, would you, you're, would you, you have archaic less, beliefs. Would you be a little less mad if they were had equal sides? No, that would be just less gross. But it was even, it was gross topped off with immaturity of like, right. you know, make a fist and go, and we want to give me bigger. Insult to injury. Yeah, I felt like Jimmy Pardo just then. Plus, mm-hmm. they probably had the pool table on their side, too. Like, we yeah. like pool better than you. What? I mean, if you like pool, you get the pool table. But we just like it better. Sounds like a Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> they so, had a pool table. Oh, and this woman, she was, oh, she took us. She, she, we thought, it, nah, I don't even want to talk. She, she was a tour, she was normally a tour guide, but she wouldn't let us, like, she, and, and she's a friend of Sarah's sister, and she was being a very, like, uh, over like when when things weren't really of interest to us, she would like make us hear about it. She didn't look at our faces and see whether this was interesting. You know, just I wanted to ask questions, and then when I was interested, because certain things I was interested in. You know what I was interested in? Here's when I got disinterested: too many facts. Because having too many crystal clear facts, or what leads to a lot of hatred too. Mm-hmm. So hey, when they were saying and those walls were built because back then they would have to you know uh, build these walls by hand. Of course, that sounds like that's that's probably true. And you see the walls, and I was like taking it in, and it was of course it was amazing. But then she went, and then the, without any doubt at all, that I have to do this as good as I can remember. As, you know, Joseph came down and he picked up that, and his troops let him in, and they all said, "By midnight tonight, we must shut the fuck up." Right. You know, 
don't know it with that clarity. Right. So right. why are you? Why can't you just stick to the facts? You have to have this crystal clear clarity. That to me, you think well, what's the bad part? Because that clarity is what leads them to do a lot of things. You know, Todd, I'm so glad you brought this up because I was hoping to have the chance to tell you the story of Jesus Christ. Do you have a minute? Tom, I've been praying for this moment. Don't for pray for so me. long. See, prayer works. <laughs> have you been, remember, you used to tell me you were, we used to do that bit where you, uh, you I'm praying for you because I, I you, didn't we do something like you pray? Don't pray for me. I'll pray for you because I was thinking about that. That would be a funny like two people. Like I, I remember in school, somebody once told me they. Somebody wants right, to right. Me they, it's like I'm gonna pray for you, like this pity sort of thing. Like, no, I'm praying for you. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm fucking. For, yeah, like, why don't you guys talk anymore? You know like, what I'm you, praying for Russia and the godless communists. I hope that's cool, Daniel. They're not communists anymore. They're not. No. I have not got the newspaper. I canceled the Times. You should, do you get all your news from Yakov Smirnov's act? Yes. <laughs> Tom, guess that's what? where I get my foreign, foreign policy information. Wait, one quick thing I'll just throw out there. You, you mentioned going to um, Israel, and I went to Ireland. In 1984 and 19, again in 1986. And I did feel like, oh my gosh, everyone here looks like somebody from my family. And it was weird. I mean, I didn't squint as much. I felt like my hair felt right. I felt like, oh my gosh, we've sort of evolved to sort of feel right in this environment. And um, I drank a lot of beer. I slipped right. And I'd realized as I was talking to the Irish people, like, you know, I don't understand why you Yanks are even interested in being here. And I'm like, well, you don't get to stop being Irish. You know, it's not that ev- that easy. You, you, you are stuck with this lovely curse. And uh, I just loved every minute of it. It felt so familiar. When did you go? So, it, it was 1984 and 1986. And no, I had a blast. Do you remember your, I tried to repeat it a few days ago and I couldn't even come close. You had a joke when you're around, you're all drinking at night and you realize. Oh, yes. This is, I don't, I had a bit when, and it's based on a true story where I, I grew up in my first 10 years, I lived in Chicago in a very Irish area, the South side of Chicago. We moved to California where they don't distinguish between different white people in, in California. It's all, they're all lumped together and you, you don't realize you're Irish till you're about 15 years old and you're drinking for the first time and, and like Vinny and Carlos are passed out drunk and it's just you, Sean and Patrick going, are you feeling anything? <laughs> like, what's supposed to happen? <laughs> well, why don't we read through some emails? You wanted to go through that, Katie? Katie, how are, how are you? I'm good. Hey, you all coked up over there? Yeah. Just before we went on the air. Didn't Katie tell us she did? What did she tell us she did? Meth? No, no. What did no, she like say? math. Like she like did, did some <laughs> I love math. math. It sounded no, no. for a second like yeah. you said meth, but you said math. I said math. What did you say well, you she did? She balanced her checkbook. What did you say you did? You're not was, embarrassed, are you? No, no. In, in high school once, I, I smoked Chewy, which is uh, weed with Coke sprinkled oh, yeah. on it. Wait, what's it called? We called it Chewy. I don't know. Chewy if weed? And then you spring. And then what, what does that do for you? It but, did nothing for me. I mean, I just took one hit of it, and then I was like, no, nah, I think I'll just stick to normal weed. And then doing lines afterwards, like what, a grown-up. What's it supposed to do? Like give you like a... Because like I used to do smoke pot and have Red Bulls. See, when I was in high school... The name Chewy was a nickname for a guy named Jesus. So to smoke <laughs> Chewy would have a completely different <laughs> meaning. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We're not um, taking any breaks, are we, Todd? I like to say it. You know, I grew up it listening depends. to radio. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, let's, let's. You know what's, uh, Can I say something? Just one more thing about traveling overseas. Sure. You can edit it out if it doesn't work out. No, right? you know what? I'm not doing it. We're going to have just a nice conversation. <laughs> I remember the first time I went back to Russia. Because I, I wanted to be an American. Like, ever since I moved here, you know, I bought into the whole thing. Hook, line, and sinker, American dream. 
uh, founding fathers, all that stuff. So and but then you do comedy and you know you kind of you go to school and I used to be such a bleeding heart liberal and such a you know critic of the government the Bush and I went to Russia during the Bush years and then people in Russia would talk shit about America and I that was the first time I realized how American I had become yes I, I was like I whoa 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 come on we were still number one or like whatever the that version of that is right. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about because Reagan was president when I was in Europe, and it was the same kind of thing. I well, I did not like Reagan at all, but I found myself defending. Yeah, Reagan. it'll be a weird way. Yes, yeah, I did that with well, Bush a little bit. It's like, well, get those goddamn solar powers off the roof, you goddamn. Todd loves this story. Cool. No, I'm not. I'm, I've told it ten times. I just that's enough. Oh, okay. Um, uh, let's let's uh, let's uh, get through some emails. All I think right. it's our first show. Everything's going good. You know, I'll be honest with you. Be where you're at. I'm still very aware mm-hmm. that we're doing a show. But you know what happens? By the third, fourth podcast, you settle in. And I just think if I say it, then it'll make me be right where I'm at. How long do you I'm think at. we've been on the air? That's a great question, I'm gonna Tom. Guess three minutes. <laughs> Come on. That's ridiculous. No, I'm going to guess four hours. Now, have you, <laughs> no, seriously, guess, Tom. No, no bullshit. Uh, 32 minutes. I know how long we've been in there. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, oh, God, 35. 45 minutes. Wow. Eek. Goes quick. I don't know what to do. I have some. So, Let's okay. Keep going. What if we read through some emails? Here's yeah. what we're going to do. I should tell everybody. We're going to have an after show. I want to keep the first part short because it's the first one. And I just, and then we're going to have an after show where we're going to smoke a little pot and order some. Uh, Patrick and Erica, dad's not smoking any pot. <laughs> They're not listening. That's his kids. How old are they? They're eight and nine? <clears throat> um, yes. Let's read, nine. Some, let's read some e- <clears throat> Let's read some emails. <laughs> yes. Uh, I like Curb that? the Curb, other night. Curb's so funny. And by the way, I want to have, have a thing with listeners. We're going to talk about what the sh- some things, what we want to do in the show. I want to have a, a show where we all get together and watch Family Guy. For anybody who loves Family Guy like I do, <laughs> like a special episode one week. So ma- that's what we're going to do. I love do. Family Guy. Me too. Me too. People, you know, it's funny what people say when they don't like it is I go, that's what I love about it. I know. You know, Which like is what? The constant. Cut, cutaways. You know, cutaways. Like, come on. To me, to me, when people say they don't like that, and again, I know there's people out there. The weird thing about Family Guy is there's people there that I respect all their comedy. You know, usually when you, when you, like, let's say when you have a close comedy friend, you usually agree. Like comedians, you're like, yeah, yeah, they're funny. You agree. I know some people I respect all their comedy opinions but yet when it comes to family guy they won't say they hate it but they don't love it like i love it and when people say that what they don't like about it oh it's you know the flashback too many i go you can't say that they know what they're doing you, they, they, i know that's wrong that i'm saying that but i want to that's what i'm thinking no they know what they're doing they they took that times 10 so you, you can't say you don't like it because right. it's too fucking great <laughs> this is, this is uh, real quickly this is what i've been doing basically my entire career as a writer is writing an animation and the one thing that you have to do in animation is you have to keep people interested. And I'll give you an example. At The Simpsons, the first oh, you seven wrote on minutes the Simpsons, right? were a throwaway that had very little to do with the second and third act. It would The last bit of the first act would spin you into the second and third act. And it didn't, didn't flow naturally. It wasn't part of the story necessarily. And that's what you have to do in animation is you have to make things move quick because it's really hard to sit through a 22-minute episode of an animated show. And that's why a show that I also loved was um, uh, King of the Hill. 
but I loved it Great. two minutes and five minutes at a time. It was it was not always easy to sit through twenty two minutes because that was paced as if oh, it was live me. action. I love that you love that show as much as I do. And if you don't love it out there, I still love you because there's too many people that don't feel the way I do that I that I respect all their opinions. So let's read through some of these emails and then I you know you know I'm obsessed with like old time comedy. You know, like I love listening to old stuff like before I was, you know, even not from when I was a kid, before I was a kid, like Alan Sherman. Mm -hmm. I found two Alan Sherman songs and I didn't want to discuss it with you guys before, even though I wanted to. when I talked to you on the phone yesterday after I found these. But I want to hear like I want, I'll play them and then we'll say like one of them. Oh, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. Why am I? Why am I? Uh, go ahead, let's read some of the emails, Katie. You coked up over there? No. Hey, you got your <laughs> coke all coked up? huh? Um, the first one, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's K-A-J-U-S. Okay. I don't know. But he wrote, uh, what are some of your long-term plans regarding reoccurring segments, sought-after guests, etc.? Well, I wanted the first show to be just people I was comfortable with because I didn't want to have to host anybody that I wasn't very comfortable with because, you know, uh, so, you know, just uh, all, my, all my, I would eventually like to, you know, I. I Can I suggest a recurring bit? Uh, Jingles. I, do you have any How about jingles? you keep throwing to commercials, even though this is a podcast and you don't have to do that? Well, Can I you do, do that? I do that anyway. Oh, I know you How about that? I got another idea for a recurring bit? Uh, um, something like uh, words of wisdom from Mr. Schmedley, you know? <gasps> oh, my God. I love that. Maybe, Mr. Schmedley, if you're listening, I want you to write 10 words of wisdom. Give him homework. Yeah, give me some homework <laughs> for you. No, Mr. Schmedley, write like 10, like, what are you, like, two lined inspirational things that you think would be. Mr. Are you listening, Mr. Schmedley? You well, he's not going to answer you right now. Yes, he will. I hope he does, and then you'll look stupid. Okay, <laughs> let's wait. All right, so um, so the future shows. I also – oh, oh, that, that leads me to a good question. Um, I know that um, I would, you know, uh, I would get in trouble for eating on my old podcast, and people would always complain, and Jimmy would get, get – that people would complain. I, I – hear Howard Stern eat a sandwich sometimes and I and I don't I don't care but I but but a lot of people that with, with really kind words were saying please don't eat while you do the podcast but I'm asking for a reason I wanted to have a show that was an hour or an hour and a half every week and then once in a while have something called dinner with Todd where I have you know th three or four or five friends and uh, we have this uh, you know in the studio we have I already have a food truck that they make uh, they, the guy said he'll make anything I think the, the, his expertise is some type of uh, Mexican food like a um, uh, whatever, like like tacos, <laughs> yeah, it's Taco Bell truck. But he said he would make anything, so the truck would come here to the studio, and, and he said whatever you want to eat, we'll we'll pull inside and we'll and we'll make you whatever you want. And we'll serve you dinner and have dinner with Todd. Now, obviously, there would be some eating, so I'm really curious if the, people could email us. Hey, if people go, ah, to, couldn't do it, or could, for the could they deal with it for the exception? Like it wouldn't be the first hour and a half, but it would be the the, the late show would be called Dinner with Todd, and then we would have people would eat, but you would hear some eating. Would that bother you or would it be all right in that situation so if you could email us and let us know about yeah, that it's todd at nerdist.com n-e-r-d-i-s-t right and the other thing that i wanted to do was i've sort of created this I, I i'm buying this old winnebago and i'm gonna i want to turn it into a mobile mobile uh, podcast studio that way if somebody ever like wants to go to vegas or somebody has somewhere to go that we'll go inside the mobile studio and we'll get them where they need to get but at the same time when we're in there or maybe like a guest of ours goes oh have you ever been to this ghost town that's up get three or four people in the mobile studio and we, uh, so what we do is we have a a podcast as we're going to a destination so that's something else that i want to do and just you know uh, you know basically do it sort of you know what howard stern does just whatever he wants to do you know, That's talk cool. about what I want to talk about. And, you know, in my comedy, I don't want to be preacher than I am funny. 
Uh, so, but here I can be. <laughs> Todd, when is the last time you did uh, Todd Glass Mobile Comedian? Oh, Jesus. Do you remember some of the trips? We went to Palm Springs and did a fraternity party. and Yeah, for those people that don't, for, for any, most people don't know, I had this thing where I had a pickup truck, and on the back of the pickup truck, I built a stage. It was and, pretty high tech. Yeah, well, the, and then there was a cover, picture a pickup truck, and then there was a cover over the bed. But the cover lifted up, and it was a brick wall. And then speakers would pull out. The speakers were housed in the bed, but then they were on hinges. So they'd pull up and go like over the tire wells. And then there was a sound system up front and lighting would extend. And uh, I would do shows. Remember, Tom, do you remember going up to uh, 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 Palm Springs? Yes, yes. And we did a show. For, so what, it, what it was it, a fraternity or yeah, something. It, what, what it ended up creating was this outdoor stage that had lighting and music and a PA system. And, and we did the show. And then afterwards... Oh, oh my was... God! We all slept, didn't we? we all slept, slept outside. No, we something. slept in one bed, like five of us. Is that what it was? Yeah, I, I think Heidi was with us. She may have been, and, and we all slept in one bed. And we got—I remember just going, doing a beer bong from the hotel. They had the—it was a two-story hotel, and then we—they got on the top with the funnel, and then they poured it in, and we were—and I'm like, oh, that was so. I, I, remember, I remember being nervous about. Well, I hope this works. Something like us. They didn't care about our performance that much they loved us for no good reason <laughs> and they, they really liked us and then we joined the party and yeah it was so great so this is a thing you did mobile comedian yeah th- did we, you make money no we shot some things for comedy central it was like it was uh, uh help i'm in trouble i need mobile comedian and tom you wrote them and then there was a kid it was a kid playing as somebody on the top of a roof at the irvine improv going they're showing Gallagher reruns on VH1. <laughs> Help, mobile comedian. And then I'd pull in, put the wall up. Hey, did you ever notice and do some bad comedy? Yeah, and then we did a couple other ones where you were, you would go to protests and you were going to – it was Rovers where like uh, pro-life or pro-choice and you did some comedy bit yeah, that got everyone to get together. Along, and, singing Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Will the talk last show? We'll be right back. So anyway, there's that. Let's read another one. All right. This one's from Ray Duran, and it's, Why do you think it is so hard for club owners to make things ideal for comedians? Oh, jeez. Don't get me started. I know. They got rid of the um, shrimp cocktail. I mean, <laughs> Remember that was a big deal. When we used to go to the Irvine Improv, like we had just moved out here, nobody you know, had any money. And it was a big deal. When you went to Mark Anderson's clubs, he took care of you. Right. And uh, you would get the shrimp cocktail. God damn it. You Chocolate believe. cake. You're like, can we get a shrimp cocktail? They're like, yeah. I remember once she goes, you can have two. I'm like, I can. Two it will be then. <laughs> uh, and um, so uh, uh, what, what were we doing? Oh, yeah. What, what was the question? Why do you think it is so hard? Oh, okay. Um, You know what? I'm going to do the short version of this, even though I could talk about it for now. We're talking about why it's so hard for clubs to get it right when it's really so simple. I don't know. I guess it's hard for – you know what? I'm trying to be – I'm not defending clubs by this, but I guess it's hard for most people to do things good. Most teachers are bad. Most lawyers are bad. Most comedians are bad. Most – I, but it'll never end. It'll never be. It'll be the death of me with comedy. I don't get how. Like, you know what? All right. I think I've talked about this enough. I think I've talked about this enough. I, well, you know what? Another episode. Whoever this is, 
three episodes in, I'll go off on this for an hour because. But I think we've talked about this enough, and and I love to talk about it. But I, you know, enough is enough. Oh, what's the next one? All right, this one's from Curtis Caldwell. And enough, says, enough. I've talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you have one comedian that inspired has inspired you as a child or during your career, who would it be? That would be, I'm Todd Glass talking, and it would be Tom Martin. Oh, Todd, that's so beautiful that you'd say that. Todd, what's happening to your voice right now? Well, I don't know. Sometimes it changes, but that was really I'm not- Tom Martin. <laughs> I think Judy Tenute has... Oh, I don't sound like that. Who is... Who is uh, I, I like that question. That's a simple but good question. I, I um, do, do you have somebody? Uh, I would say... It w- I'll go last. Yeah, well, it's strange because he's... He's our peer, but the first time I saw Dana Gould, I was pretty blown away by Me how too. funny. Like, yeah. I, I, and it was kind of just, I would think, oh, no, he's the same age as me, and he's that funny uh, already? Oh, no. It's but funny. I loved him. You went to somebody. I do love him even now. You, you went to somebody. I was thinking, you know, like Rodney or Don right, Rickles. Right. But, I, but I have one in that category, too. And Dana, I remember working with Dana in Florida and thinking the same thing. And you know what? I'm going to credit myself a little. At least I knew what good comedy was when I wasn't doing it yet. You know, I was pretty young, but then so was he. But I remember seeing him in Florida. And I'm not, believe me, I am not trying to be like, oh, woe is me. If I was proud of what I did, I would say I was proud of what I did. There's moments in my career now where I'm proud of where I'm at. And, of course, I still want to grow. But I saw Dan, and I remember thinking, fuck. Yeah. He was he laying was himself so out there the he way was, we weren't ready to, maybe. He before, was really, before you had right, to. Paul, yeah. Paul F. Tompkins, too, and I know I've said that a million times, but, you know, same thing. Like, you know, he's, he's grown over the years, but I just remember Paul back in Philadelphia being like, God. like, And, and, and that's, that's what let me at least grow to be a better comic. When I would kill... And people would come up to me after the show and go, you, you were funny, or whoever it was. Hey, if I was, I would take it. You know, I would take it. But right, right. The- but if you're, if you're um, opening or middling for a guy you know is brilliant and you respect him so much, but mm-hmm. then the dumb crowd that night doesn't get it, yeah. but you killed because, you know... Because you, you know, two, three years into it, and then they go, you fu- oh, you were better. It crushes you. Mm-hmm. Right. It crushes you. They don't even realize that they're crushing your soul when they say that to you. Well, because they th- – and, and, you know, one time I think I had a relative say to me. I was trying to explain this to them. They go, no, if they like you, they like you. And I realized I would never be able to explain it. No, no, no. I'm, I know that I'm not – I know that crowd liked me because I was simple. If I was doing something right. as brilliant as that comedian, whether it be silly deep or silly or brilliant deep or brilliant silly, uh, I would I would have taken it. But but also there's a there's a there's a glitch to that too. I never take a compliment from an audience member when it's blatantly. You know what? If I'm wrong ten percent of the time when someone was just accidentally complimenting me complimenting me in front of the other comedian, once in a while, let's say oh. I, I was wrong. They weren't doing it. They just didn't realize it. Okay, it doesn't matter because the 90% I'm right, I won't fucking take it when they try to go. And by the way, I always like when they're complimenting me because it makes, makes it easier for me because, in other words, if somebody comes up to me and goes, you were funny, I go, it's not a competition. It's right. not a competition. When I think they're doing it to, to say to the other person, I didn't like you. And one night there was a, somebody with Daniel, and I, mm-hmm. I go, he, they said something right in front of me, and I was like, I know what you're doing. Don't do that. But, um, but I, and so anyway, and then, um, so we're going back to the ones that have inspired you. Um, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, for me. Yeah, and Steve just Martin. So and, classic and just yeah. embodies like late night comedy to TV comedy for me. Jerry, Jerry, the thing about Jerry Seinfeld, and I don't know him that well, but from the interviews, what I totally respect, I love that he loves stand-up. 
Yes, he, and respects he it yeah. and has a clean, crisp look at it. And I always like that. Like that you said, Daniel, that he says, you know, when he's doing comedy, it doesn't get that complicated. Just don't try to uh, annoy the comedy gods. Yeah, yeah. Just, just don't just, piss off the comedy gods. Yeah, and right, and. Um, right. So, but uh, but Don Rickles obviously probably the most uh, in, in affected by. But um, you know, after uh, I remember this is only like a year after George Carlin died. I remember thinking like I was going through a period in my act where I thought, what am I going to do? Like maybe I have to decide. Like, am I silly or do I have something to say socially? Because sometimes I have a social thing I want to say, not usually political, but social. Sometimes I want to be silly, and I thought. I gotta decide what I'm gonna do. I really remember thinking that that makes sense. You gotta decide. And then I saw George Carlin special, and he was silly, and then he was serious, and then he was political, and then he was social. And I went, oh, I don't have to decide. You do right. whatever you fucking want. Right. So that's he inspired the, that's me. What's great about so stand up is these transitions into whatever the heck you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. If you're people, tr- yeah. Sometimes people will, will succeed with a character that's you know that has a, some sort of a storyline or whatever it is for an hour that's not them. But for the most part, I think. If you're authentic, you can do whatever you want as long as it's really you. What? Uh, no, it's the next one. How's everything going so far? People listening, is everything okay? I think this practice right? is really going great. And as <laughs> soon as they turn on the recorder, we'll be ready to roll. <laughs> What's another one? This one's from Sarah Spring, and it says, "Let's say you won cereal for life. Uh, winning what brand of cereal would just float your boat?" Do we get the cereal? Yeah, like what's like if you won cereal for life, what brand would you choose? I only have to eat cereal for the rest of my life? That sounds terrible. Come on. The question is, what's your favorite cereal? Let's not piss off our listeners. <laughs> I feel like when I do Kashi. that... Kashi. Kashi strawberry. Shut the fuck up. What? I know that's healthy, but you really crave it? I love Kashi so in other strawberry words, flakes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now yeah, those are good. And then I put actual strawberry in Yeah, it. yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I do, I do a little aftermarket work on my cereal. <laughs> I didn't mean to shit on your favorite cereal, but I thought Kashi was like, you'd eat it because it's healthy. But no. I, yeah, okay. I have no idea. It was What's healthy. your favorite unhealthy cereal? Apple Jacks. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch is uh, with, the, uh, with milk. Do you put milk in it? Oh, yeah. I um, put beer. No, shut up. Have you ever done no. that? No, have you? No, 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 no. no. Um, what was I going to say about my favorite cereal? Oh, I f- someone gave me... Eh, Nah, I can talk about whatever I want, right? Here's a great tip if you're trying to lose weight. but You, have, you know when you're craving something sweet and you could have apples now till the cows come home? But we know what fake candy tastes like. So it's in, our, it's, in our, it's in our heads. We're craving a sweet. So you can have, oh, have an apple. Have, it won't do it. Someone told me, take an apple, take two apples. Cut them up, you know what I mean? Like into one apple, like 10 pieces, two apples, 20 pieces. Take a packet of sugar, even two. Open it up on a plate and stamp it in the sugar. You might think, well, you may as well have a candy bar. Uh, no, not even close. And then you feel like one piece, two piece, three piece, four piece. You can f- sit there and consume, and it, and it really helps. And you don't need the apples, by the way. If no, you just, if you want to do that, but you don't have apples, you just use finger. the sugar. Yeah, yeah. You just you just take two packets of sugar <laughs> and, and put and your fingers in. Take your finger. Yeah. That's well, that, that leads me to uh, you know my book that I want to write called uh, you know uh, uh, lobsters overrated. Try sticking pieces of butter and lobsters overrated. Try sticking pieces of bread in hot butter. And that's the name of my book. But because I say grilled cheese sandwiches are used once in a while, I feel people should sit down and have a, a give food that is reasonably priced the respect it deserves. So have a grilled cheese sandwich one night with tomato soup where you set the table and you make grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup like you're having lobster. Because let me tell you something. Grilled cheese sandwiches, they're pretty fucking good. What's the next question? Well, this one is from Kurt. McCarthy, and it says, Hey, Todd, I'm the fan who drove three hours to see you and met you Friday at night in wow. Toronto. Oh, my God. Is this, and 
Go, go ahead. And it says, thank you for signing my CD and your performance that night. Excited to hear your comedy tales and would love to hear hear you use pussy a lot. Pussy, <laughs> pussy. Put some echo in that in post, okay? <laughs> Let me just give everyone a fair dose of that. Pussy, pussy, pussy. Um, I... I am so Daniel. We we actually read that one before we before we did the podcast. You know when somebody uh, when somebody drives far to see you. And again, I know this sounds so. I always try to do a good show, but there were points in my career where on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, you'd mess around a little, and then someone comes up to you after the show and they go, "Yeah, we drove three hours." I don't know. I'm still at the point where I say, "Shut the fuck up," you know, affectionately, and then you think, "I hope I did a good show." You know, oh, did I, and then you did. You feel so good. But if you just jacked off a little, because maybe the, it's not that I would ever jack, uh, uh, do a bad show on purpose. But sometimes when the crowd's rough, I'll throw in the towel a little easier. But if you know someone drove three hours, you're not going to throw in the towel easier. So this kid drove three hours. And I'm always like, oh, my God, that means that means so much to you. I said, I never I'm, I'm a man of my word. Give me your address and I'll send you something cool. Because, you know, until I can't do that, I think it's OK to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like try to do something. And I fucking lost it. So if he emails, we have his email now. Yeah. Okay, so we can. I'll send him something. And should we do a few more? Is that okay to do like? Yeah, yeah. Two, it's, it's okay. Good. Okay, go ahead. You do that? Okay, this one's from Jeremy May, and he says I'm starting to uh, go to open mics, and for some reason I'm obsessing over what not to do as a comedian. Do you ever worry if your material has been done before, or do you just do it and pray that no one has ever that no one ever says I saw that uh, in Chicago? Well, it's been done before. But well, you know, I, I only I try to do material that's been done before. <laughs> that's really the safest bet. I don't agree with that, Tom. Well, I, I think that the concept has been covered, but you can really I don't agree. But you can really hamper yourself because that's something I had is if somebody even remotely encroached into the topic in an area in a certain way, I would abandon it, even though I had an original take on it for fear that somebody would think that I was uh, not being original. Can we, can we split the difference? I know what you mean. Like, I, I don't think every topic's been covered. You, there are, you could still pull something out of thin air that may, will make most comedians go, fuck, I can't believe I didn't think of that. But at the same time, you could still cover Louis C.K. You know, in his last special, did an airplane bit well, wait, that wait. had me cracking up, and it was the most original. Well, that's, to thought. me, to me, that's right. what your act should consist of, and that's why I think it's dangerous. And 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 I'm probably, you know, when you say something in short, when you have time to elaborate, we're, I'm, me and you, we, we know right. our comedic sensibility is probably on the same page. So I'm probably just elaborating as you would. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the only danger in saying that is if somebody's lazy, they go, "Every topic's been written before." But I think your goal is to have an act full of, if it has been talked about before, you certainly hit it from a different angle. So a topic would someone go, yeah, that's been talked about before, but what a angle he hit it from. And then I think there are bits that have not been fucking talked about before. And I think that's your goal, that maybe it's not every joke in your act, but you do have a percentage of jokes. You go, no, no one's ever done that. I think you can get, if you can't get 100% that, you can get 96%. I know it's weird. I put numbers on everything. You can get pretty close, and that sure, certainly should be your goal. And and also, it's from your perspective. You'll you'll be fine. You'll you'll you know trust your friends. Like don't. If, if I remember when someone told an open mic nighter, "Hey, Letterman did that joke last night," and he goes, "Well, I wrote it first. No one's doubting that, but Letterman did it last night. So drop it right. out of your act. Right. Uh, we got, how many more do we have? Uh, we have a few more. Okay, go ahead. Let's yeah. rip through them. I don't know why I love. I, I guess I'm enjoying this, but I'm afraid. Well, it's 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 a good thing to sort of spike spark conversation anyway. Cool. There you go. And is uh, everybody all right? How's everyone at home? I want to make sure I get everybody's happy. Wait, Todd, can I tell you a quick funny story about uh, your your? I was listening to you on the podcast, and uh, I was listening on my iPod, and I fallen asleep, and I was in that that world between awake and sleep, and you were talking 
in my ear and I was dreaming and I was talking back to you in my dream and I was getting really pissed off because you wouldn't answer my questions. And then I woke up and I realized that your podcast had infiltrated itself <laughs> into my dream. You called me and told me this. I remember you calling me. And I was, it was the funniest thing because I was furious with you. It's like, Todd... Why don't you listen to me? I'm trying to... In my dream, I was ready to strangle you for not, not listening to me. <laughs> sort of like a regular conversation. Exactly. It was so real. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. What's the other one? All right. This one's from Jason Withrow. And what would your dream job be if you weren't in entertainment? Um, I know what mine is. I, I, I still have an obsession. I wanted to have like... A, a, I wanted to do landscaping... But I like the idea in my head of like being the boss and you pull up in the nicer truck. It's like a suburban, you know, you get out of the car. <laughs> Your boots aren't as dirty. No, and you got you got the air conditioning running in there. You leave it running even if you're out of your car for an hour because you sit in there a lot. And then you get out every 10 minutes and, you know, you go, hey, come on, let's go. But I but I always I wanted to do that. Uh, have be be have a landscaping company and then but also own a uh, I always wanted to own a restaurant because I thought that that would be a, I would know how to do it right and do it good. Yeah. Daniel? Uh, law? I'd probably be a lawyer. A lawyer? Yeah. Well, I've taken up a second job. I work on the weekends, and this is not, oh. not a bit. I've been taking classes at the Shiatsu Massage School in Santa Monica since 2007, and I work on Saturdays and Sundays you swear to God. at the Dow Healing Arts Center on... Uh, on Main Street in Santa Monica. This is not a bit. No, I'm serious. I, I've been doing this for uh, a couple of years now. What made you Yeah, it's 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 uh, shiatsu, but uh, no, no. shiatsu is that uh, German for jerk me off? No, no, oh, that's I mean, not even German. It's uh, uh, yeah. So I've been doing this uh, for a couple of years, and I think eventually, when I'm done with this, I'll just do it more days. Do you? What what is what 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 about it? Well, I'll tell you. you probably, I, I injured my back, and oh, I had yeah. like a small, like four millimeter disc in the lumbar L four L five, and I went to every imaginable doctor, and no one could do anything. I went to chiropractors, and the only thing that worked was really good hands on physical therapy and yoga, and so. It's not even that. It's not even that hard to 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 fix. And so I just started studying it more and more. And and um, yeah, so I start taking classes in it. And then uh, now, do you give he- uh, he- uh, Heidi? Yeah, yeah, I massage she, her every. Now, does she love that you know what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We, we were. Uh, if you, if you could, I'm sorry. Just no, no. one last question. If you could do that full time, you would. Oh yes, absolutely. That would be your life. You just don't, just don't make enough. People. I don't make enough money. Yeah, that's I a mean, lot of I, energy. I, I take classes, but I have more energy when I when I come out. I'll work a five hour shift, and I'll come out and I'll be less tired than when I started the shift because it's a kind of meditation. You cannot do anything but focus on the person in front. They know when you're daydreaming. By the way, <laughs> I want to ask you this question because I, I, I mean, obviously, you can go the silly route on it, but but you know, you know, I'm being totally genuine, and. A friend of a friend that gives massages told me this, and I thought, God bless her for getting this. When you get a massage, sometimes you'll obviously, you know, you'll get a boner. And they drape you, but, you know, when you got to turn over, it's mortifying. And she goes, so we somehow started talking about this. was like four years ago we talked about this. A friend of a friend's girlfriend. She goes, you know what? I'm aware of that. She goes, and you would think what she said every massage person would do. She goes, I always turn around. 
I look busy. And you would think, well, you're not supposed to take the hands off the person. But she goes, I do. I'll turn around just in case that 30 seconds, that 40 seconds. And I know that they can, you know, they see me over there, click. They're doing something maybe. And I go, yes. Making noise, making noise. <laughs> no, just, just anything to, to, to let you, you know, get comfortable. Plus, they should put like some sort of. Like a, you know when you get your X-ray taken, it's a lot lead weight. Something that will really weigh it down. I, I hate when they do that because I'm all hard and ready to go, and then I turn over. She's not even looking. <laughs> it's rude. I paid money for that. I was talking about massages to your. Uh, uh, you know, like sometimes it sounds like you're going one way with something, but then obviously my way of talking is you know completely turning it at the end. So at first when I heard people got their dogs massages, me too. I remember thinking it just sounds like somebody from Irv. I'm going the other way. The reason I have to point out I'm going the other way is sometimes the way I talk, people hear my first part and then they go, "Yeah, it's stupid." And I'm going, "No, no, I'm going the other way with it." But at first I thought a dog massage is something, Irvine or Beverly Hills, someone who doesn't really get life. You know, come on. And then I thought the opposite. Now, I've never gotten a dog a massage, so it's not like I'm saying it defending myself. But I thought it's the most decent thing you can do. And what love br- it. What brings a, a good dog after a year old, if you take care of it properly and train it, brings you nothing but pleasure. So what does it matter what's bringing you pleasure if you wanted to return that pleasure to the dog? And they really do like it. Oh, they love it. I mean, I've practiced on the uh, corresponding parts and muscles with my own dog, and they love it. And when you're giving a good massage, you should be able to turn that person into a dog. In other words, you've passed their critical sort of mind, and now they're just a mammal, just digging it the way a dog digs it without analyzing it. That's interesting because I've noticed that when you get a good massage, it always feels good from the second you get it. But there's a point if it's done right where you fall. Right, yeah. And when you fall, uh, I used to have a cup of coffee before I had a massage. This sounds crazy because I didn't want to fall asleep during it because I'm always afraid they stop massaging you once you start snoring. You know, you're like, that can't be true, right? No. no. Uh, I have a question. I'm half kidding. Do you ever get a chatty masseuse? What do you do? Is it rude to, like, do do people. I think what you do is you you don't talk. No, you know what? If you have a chatty massage therapist, I feel like if they don't take your hint from not talking, I try to be a little friendly. I don't mind talking in the, in, the, in the beginning. But once you're quiet, if they say one thing past you haven't responded, I think you got to just, you know, and then you're, not, you're not going to have a good massage. Because if you say anything, well, now they've put an energy in the room. Right. You're never going to. If you go, hey, I don't like to talk. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking about that for the rest of and your now massage. They're pull- in my head, I think, well, now she's not going to be or he is not going to be as good. Right. Or not going to give me 100%, which Here's what I think you have true. to do. No, yeah. it is probably. Here's what I think. It's certainly not. Hey, if the massage is the physical part and there's the energy part, you're certainly, you might not get the energy part or the fact that you're even thinking about it. But um, I think you just have to think, be glad that most of the time, 80% of the time, massages are good and that's the chance you take. And when it's bad, you just, you know. Right. Well, I find when people are talking, they're talking for a reason. And a lot of times I'll notice with uh, a female client, they talk because they're nervous and once you can get past once they feel comfortable they they they're quiet and then you can just ask questions only related to making the experience better and not chatting at all um but yeah i don't know if that makes sense how many more do we have or you want to save them for next week let's save them for next week what what time are we at we're at one hour ten minutes oh jesus this was the first one is there anything else oh i got one more there was a lobster tank. 
You know where you go in and you have the thing and then you get the the toy out of the the can the the thing. You know, it's like a what is it? There's a bunch of shit in a tank and then the the claw goes down and you try to grab a bunny or you try to grab a. Right. They had it for lobsters. Yeah, and then it you, was a game. But basically, and you would get your lobster. And I remember thinking, God, that bothered me. Like, do you and think I, lobsters are aware of that. You think they? They, 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 they're thinking, God, how inhumane. They're I think when they're, us and they're making a game out of this. That's a good question, but for some reason it's still... Or, or maybe it doesn't matter. We no, they tape their, tape their things together. You know, they're, what are their mm-hmm. claws? They the tape claws. them. I don't know. They can't enjoy that. I don't know if they can express it. But anyway, it just... It, it's, I don't know. Just was like, you have to make a game out of it? But right. Anyway. It's humiliating enough that they're, we're going to eat them. Now we've got to like, make yeah. a game out of them. Yeah. But why don't we do this? I mean, like, again, I... I um, you know what? Before we go to break, can you get the Todd's Coma theme ready? Somebody asked me... Um, somebody, one of the emails asked if I ever wanted to do my own show or whatever, and, which... We'll, 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 let's play... Me and, I had a show called Todd's Coma. And Tom was the showrunner on it over at Sony. Adam Sandler produced it, and, and um, you were the showrunner, right? Right, yeah. And um, dude, we had fun. It How was much fun was it being on the show. lot? Oh, it was great. I still have my name badge from the Sony lot. Boy, did I love pulling in there in my car every day. Oh, I loved it. We had a good time. We ate lunch there, and we talked, and we just, oh, we loved every second of Who it. Who was that for, USA Network or something? TBS. It was for TBS, TBS. yes. And I remember, Tom, we were sitting in those offices. I, I, I was at the, We were in a meeting with TBS and Sony, and they go, we don't know where your offices are going to be yet. And I don't know why I went, oh, if they could be on the lot, that would be so cool. And uh, and I oh Alex was like Todd please and then the next day they go we got you You're, and then I was sat sitting in the offices every day and I wanted to, it was later when the time you came in and mm-hmm. I wanted to make them nice like hang pictures and posters and I didn't do it I go it's not important it's not important and one day Tom goes Todd it is exuding so much more energy out of you not to do it do it and I was like fucking yes thank you Tom <laughs> and I came in the next day with a car full of stuff and I was putting posters up all over and um, so and this was the theme to the show which well, you I wrote, wrote the words and then your friend Lynn Shore wrote the music who wrote the opening part of the opening to this show today so uh, why don't we play that and then we'll probably come back and we're going to have an after show we're going to smoke a little pot order Not a little me. Thai food well chill. no we will but hey this let me tell you something I, I, I thank everybody for, well let's, let's play this we'll come back and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll uh, We'll wrap it up. Todd across the street, not paying attention. Daydreaming, lost in a dimension. He forgot about his mortality. Now his thoughts are his reality. Jump in! The water's fine. Spend some time in his unconscious mind. Todd's in a coma, and he's doing fine. Todd's coma, he's in a coma. There it is. There it is. There's so. Well, what was the name of the show? Let's go. You know what I and and I know we're we're gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna wrap it up here in a second. But 
one of the one of the things on the show that I remember had nothing to do with the show, but I but I remember it. And I always loved that you had that relationship with your son. Is that you guys? How old was your son when you guys were there? Well, he must have been about twelve or thirteen. And and you, you he came en- on the set. Yeah, and you enjoyed being with him. And it was so cool to see, like, when you raise your kids like that, like, you know, you can fake being a good parent around people, but you can't, the relationship can't be faked. Because you can be warmer when you're around people, maybe more attentive, but if your child's not used to that, he's not responding with that. And, like, you really, like, I could, you were talking and enjoying and laughing, and he got, and he played along with our jokes and everything. Yeah, he's really funny. How old was he then, you said? uh, Probably 12. I mean, he's, he's 17 now. Uh, but yeah, he's. I'm blown away by my my own son. I know it's crazy, but he's just he's just kind of born really wise and smart. And of course, he just wiped out a, on a motorcycle without a helmet and broke his mm. collarbone and got a concussion. But aside from that, he really is like a very wise soul and a cool guy. And I love every second I'm with him. And I know that's crazy. No, I, I, I could tell. Crazy. It's great. Yeah, I could tell. So. Well, there we go. Like we're gonna t- we're gonna do the uh, after show and sort of just relax and and um, that'll be fun and anything. We're not, we, you know what? We don't have to hurry. We can we can we can exit out of this right very well, peacefully. I, I, I want to say thank you to everybody here, and it's good to meet Kate. You know what, Daniel? You know what? It was nice meeting you. Thanks for having me, Tom. <laughs> everybody gets uncomfortable. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we're we're coming back. <laughs> hey, I, also, I want to thank. Uh, I did my hour special on Saturday. And uh, New Wave, um, Barry Katz's company, produced it. And let me tell you something. When things go wrong, you complain so much that I try to, you know, you know, I want to go out of my way when things go right to, to give it as much um, conviction. Mm-hmm. They did such a great job. I don't want to curse just to curse. They did such a great job. Every fucking thing I asked for. <laughs> What, like I wanted the room lit. You know how they have to light rooms because they, you know, but they lit it red and the stage would look great and the audience looked great. And they were, every single person on the crew was just nice and, and comforting and just so, you BB know, dubs. Barry Katz and, and, and Brian, um, Brian Volkweiss and Jay Chapman and, and um, Jim Sheraton, Jim, Sh- Jim, Sharon. Jim Sharon, Jim Sharon, and um, and um, everybody, they were great. It was such a Who fun night. Who opened for you? Someone opened for you? Uh, uh, Bobby Miyamoto. Bobby Miyamoto. I'm actually engaged to his great granddaughter. Yeah, she's so <laughs> nice. She's going to be 45. I like older women. It's cool. Bo- Bobby opened up. Jimmy Dore was there. Jimmy went out, and uh, and and basically, it's funny because Bobby went on first, and then Jimmy went on after him to. To just do the thing with take a deep breath, let your let your guard down, and folks, you know, it was very funny because the first crowd, well, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it, they were nice, but the second crowd, it just, I was more comfortable with the second crowd. That doesn't mean individually everybody in the first crowd. There were great people in the first crowd too, but, and then Jimmy goes, he goes, hey folks, uh, you know, hey, if you're thinking this might be funny and you're smiling, uh, fucking go all the way, laugh. You know, and it's true. It's like, like you're smiling. The guy's doing a special. Like, you know, well, go all the way. Commit. Commit. Go ahead. You're, you're smiling. Yeah, yeah, you got it there. Fucking crank the smile all the way up. Open up your mouth and let some noise out. Yeah, just do it. I guarantee that'll always be better. So um, I think it did loosen the crowd because they laughed. And then Bobby went on. And then the next show, Bobby asked if uh, Jimmy could go before him because he wanted he wanted a warm up person so he could do better. So, but it, and then Daniel was there. Daniel was on the road with me. And I'll tell you what, it, it was. It, it was not only the creative stuff, but it was also the, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't have a computer. I can't print things out. So it was the creative stuff. I, I am proud of myself. Every single day I got up, Daniel goes, let's watch the tape. And I remember the first day I was thinking, yeah, I don't have to watch the tape. That's not good. And we did. 
and I can't believe how much I learned from watching the tape. And every single day, and then he took a whole wall in the hotel room, and he printed out my bits, and then we had post-its, and he goes, let's try to, like, I, I don't want to not curse, because I curse in my everyday life. Why would I, I want to be who I am, but I don't curse every other word. So I wanted to, hey, where can I take out fuck? What can I do there? Let's try that. Let's put that there. Let's move that. And every single day we did four shows in Canada and eight shows in Atlanta. And every single day we spent three to five hours yeah. working on this. And, um, and then, um, so, so it was very helpful. And, and it, Daniel put everything in a binder because at first I had all the notes on a stool. But I don't like to, like, you know, move them or crinkle them up and throw them on the floor. So Daniel put everything in a binder and a music stand. I do 10 minutes of comedy, I'd flip a page. I'd do 10 more, flip a page. And it's not like I was staring at notes. And I put a lot of hard work into it. So hopefully the special will air. And Daniel Tosh said I should call it Todd Glass's Two Hours Comedy Central Special Part One. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. So that that was fun. I wanted to thank them. And, and um, there we go. I guess that's... That's everything. You all right? Hold on. Anything for you? Oh, are we still on? Yep. Mm-hmm. No. How do thanks. we say goodbye? Well, we don't yet. We probably already did. Oh, we don't. We'll come back. Oh, we're going to come back and do the after show. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, you know what? I'm, oh, oh, I am going to say this because I might just say it on the after show. I'm going to leave you after the after show I want to play something and it's a little long but it's after the after show there's a a Mr. Rogers in front of the Senate and Sarah Silverman made me uh, aware of this and it's unbelievably heartwarming it's him in front of the Senate trying to get more money for public television right Daniel and they, they, they might not be taking him seriously in the beginning but as he speaks so brilliantly and so it made me like just you know really feel you know good inside like and that he was so smart and so right so that's how we're going to wrap up after the after show. And then after that, a little Glenn Campbell, try a little kindness. And then uh, there we go. So uh, enjoy the after show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much, everybody. There we go. Our first show. Bye. What are you talking about? Let's, let's, uh, let, let's record for real for a little bit. We are recording. Yeah. I know, but you're oh. not literally, like, really. I but that reminds me, because going to Disneyland is is a really it's mind-blowing because of the, what they call the obesity epidemic. And it's a bit, I even did 10 years ago, and it's worse now. Is I, The thing that strikes me most about um, Disneyland is that the people, their, their love for corn dogs is greater than their love of mobility. They have eaten themselves into a wheelchair, and they're not—they're not. They're, not, they're content. They seem okay. It's, yeah, they can't fact, even no. walk. Well, that's why that wheelchair's there. They, they don't go. No, I don't want to go because to be in a wheelchair, let me lose some weight. Let me work on this. They go. Yeah, let's go to Disneyland. What? They should wheel me around. Okay. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not just trying to be the person who's so like I understand. I could be completely wrong, but I have a little different skew on it. Um, having been, I haven't been think obese. We don't pick what our most of your life. Are. If you want to know what it's like, all right, I'll buy that. If you don't, if you, so so, believe me, don't get me wrong. Yes, you have to fucking take. It's just putting it into perspective. And I thought about this. The only way to understand what it's like for someone not to be able to yeah, do is think of what you do, and maybe it's not overeating. But what have you done in your life that was? God damn it, you knew it was a wrong thing to do, but it was the downfall of your. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's somebody that sits there and looks. I know there's got to be somebody, you know, sitting there judging a person like that, but mm-hmm. they cheat on their wives. Mm-hmm. And they know that that's ruining everything. That's your food. 
You, you know what I mean? So I think we all have a vice. We're lucky that our vices are more manageable. We don't. Yeah, but when them. I cheat on my really, wife, I, it doesn't I, spill over on your elbow <laughs> on an airplane, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I know I was sort of saying something, but I got lost. Yeah, so I know what you mean, but still. I I understand what you're saying, but I think you know I'm right. I was just looking for it. I know, it's all right. I like the laugh. (laughs) No, it's true. And that's what I think about. So I find myself defending Mike Tyson a lot because um, imagine if the worst thing you ever did had been seen by most of the world, not once or twice, but maybe a hundred or three hundred, even a thousand times. There's How footage people... of him raping that girl? Well, I mean, that's an interesting thing because here I am defending him again, but he could have got out a year early. He was convicted of rape, but he could have got out of jail by plea bargaining or, or even apologizing. And he would say, I'd rather do another year in jail than apologize for a crime I didn't commit. You know, I Yeah, know do you think he didn't do it? Uh, yeah, I don't think that it would. Put it this way. The, the word is that he went to jail because Robert Kennedy Smith didn't go to jail. Robert Kennedy Smith got off for... Who's ha- Robert Kennedy Smith? He's, he was the nephew of JFK, mm-hmm. so JFK's sister's kid, and he was in uh, med school, and he raped a girl outside. I mean, there was... Caroline's? Caroline Kennedy? Uh, that would be her cousin. Yeah, one of her cousins. God, sounds like you guys know a lot. But anyway, the point <laughs> is he followed the, a very high-profile case followed by another one, the difference being... <laughs> The first guy got off, and so there was a lot of kind of outcry. And then um, when he came in, he had his tax lawyer defending the case because there really there was, there was no, no case. Katie. Right, and he just got he got uh, railroaded. And the, one of the things they say is that the um, there were there were two prosecuting attorneys in the case. One was the judge, and it was this woman judge that had her mind made out beforehand. And the thing about it, Mike Tyson, you know, maybe he's no angel. Uh, but I, I do agree. I do, uh, yeah, I he got he got a bad deal there, and sometimes, and it wasn't just a bad deal that like he actually did jail time for a crime he shouldn't have done. Did he lost the most financial lucrative years of his life? He was in his physical prime on top of his game and could have made hundreds of millions of dollars, and he wasn't able to. Let me ask you a question: Would the average person that we know, like guess Dave Rath is here, a few other people? What you just said, would most people reasonable? Like, because I'm not sure the consensus, the the, the 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 consensus consensus on it. Would most of our friends go? Oh yeah, you're right. right. Or do you think people think? What are you talking about? I, I hear you say what you're saying and go. The fuck is telling me? Well, if I'm being an asshole and someone and it happens a lot and I'm defending him and uh, they'll call him a rapist and I say, well, were you in the uh, room with him? Because there's only two people in, in the world who know what really went on. And uh, one of them's Mike Tyson, one of them's this girl. So if, if you were in the room, you, you have something to add there. But uh, right. you, I don't know when one went on. Uh, but I have yeah, met. Hey, I'm reasonable. You're just saying you're kind of saying. You're not me. saying it didn't. Right. I don't you're know just either. Saying I don't know either. You have right. an opinion that he's guilty. Why can't I have an opinion that he's not? Right. Yeah. yeah. Same with those. Look, I'm sick and tired of these <laughs> athletes getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> I like OJ, okay? Were you there? Oh, sure. <laughs> Were you at the house? Oh, but, so. but you know, there's, in that case, there's Were DNA. Were you in the Broncos? No, no, I didn't. Was it your DNA? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. You have someone that, like, 
Was it, it your science lab? Did you? Your wife? What? It's, we're all on the same page. There's always that one person that goes that far. You're like, no, 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 no. We gotta agree. Someone I met. Right. Right. OJ. OJ was guilty. Oh, right. uh, uh, yeah. You know what I? Whatever. Sorry, but. But hey, that's some groovy shit, man. I think we got a new show out of this. Like, if this was Family Guy, this show, out of it would come Groovy Man. No, maybe not. Groovy Man, maybe cartoons, maybe stickers. Groovy Man stickers that end up not selling. Todd, do you have a lot of money? Sounds Todd. like a $300. Todd, Todd, you asked me about my finances. Do you have a lot of money? You've been working the road like a madman. You. See, no. Really? What do you spend your money on? Uh, pussy. Uh, pussy. <laughs> a lot of uh, pussy. Yeah. Hey, we'll be right back with some more Glenn Campbell. <laughs> um, pussy, pussy. Um, you, you still no, no, I have, I have a nest egg now, but not a big one. But, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, remember, you remember, I remember getting out of the car in Vegas and having so little money that you, when they came to help you with your luggage, yeah. oh, I got it. Todd, I once walked to the airport from the Riviera. <laughs> Because I, I didn't have enough money for a cab. I just done 21 shows. I had like a backpack. I walked to the airport. And I remember there was this one casino that was like the last casino on the strip before you have to go through the desert and turn left on that street where the airport is. And I'm like, fuck, I should just, I got like $3.50. I should just take it in there and just put it all on a color and just like let it ride. And I'm like, am I crazy? What if I lose my $3.50? And I'm really screwed. I walked. I mean, it must have been 15 miles to the airport. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's great. I always would take a nice <laughs> after that whole story. That's yeah. all I open up. I always took a town car. You know, it's worth the four hundred. Because Todd, remember they didn't pay you there. They wouldn't pay you at no, the no. Riviera. You had to wait back till they you get were, back yeah, in town. We can't pay you here. It might make it easy for you. Right. So you got to go to Omaha to get a check mailed to you on a truck. You ever have a club bound to check? Yeah, I, I was at a club once. They wouldn't pay me uh-huh. a long time ago, and. Uh, like at the end of the week, the guy said what? No, end, end of the week, end of the night. This is a one show. One night, and yeah. the guy said, and we don't turn the TVs off. Uh-huh. All okay. right, don't. It's, it's all right. So what, what about the money? What, people say, you wouldn't pay me. I always want to know how the conversation No, they, at the money. end of the night, I filled in for some other comic who, didn't, who I just showed up because I was hanging out with my friend that was performing. The other guy didn't show up. So they asked me, and I said I went on. And then at the end of the night, he goes, well, I'll love to call the guy who books it. He's always like a guy who books these things, you know. He's a booker, a one-nighter booker, a real man of the business. And uh, so anyway, it's always like, and then they, so they wouldn't pay me. So one guy comes up, he goes, you know what you got to do? You know when an old person just has wisdom, uh-huh. comes out of their mouth, that's what you're ready for. And it's not. You got to get a fucking brick and throw it in the motherfucker's window. That's right. Hey, you're funny, dude. See ya. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Do you remember that club? So what happened? Did you get well, I knew I couldn't do that, so I didn't get paid. Yeah. Okay, remember that deal? club in Sacramento, that asshole who ran? I, I don't say asshole, but... You know, why, but why do you have to be so... Well, cold? you know what? I don't know his financial situation. But anyway... Who was it? I can't remember. It was in Sacramento. What was the name it of that club? It was in that old town. Yeah, yeah, area. yeah. Steve... Something. Martin. I'm the worst guesser in the world. Yeah, well, Martin. whatever. He tried I'm to stiff me the on world. the shows, and, and he would have got away with it, except a comedian that respected, Mark Pitta, actually, came to bat for me. He's like... Uh, if you agreed to pay him X, you got to pay him X. Like he could tell it was going to get screwed, and he maybe even risking himself yeah. with this club owner, and uh, he paid me the full amount. So I was really thankful. So that was like seven dollars. First know. time that happened to me. First time a, a, a 
club bounced the check. Oh, right. And I'm not a club, and that was an accident. <laughs> I know what that you're talking even a about, gig. Daniel. I was shocked. Like I thought that didn't happen. <laughs> right, right. I was the club going out of business, or did they make I it right? Or? It was a one-nighter. It uh-huh. was supposed to be... What is that, Todd? Todd? That's eating sound. Todd, what is that? You know what it is. Oh, no, what is it? Yes, you, well, you I know. Don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. <laughs> You're making this unusable. Hey, shut up. Tell the story. I'm, I'm it's a good story. story. I'm, I'm eating the pie. I'm listening. This is, this is everything I've always wanted. So that a happened walk, to me, like, where like, I was like, so something in my... I remember I, went, I was on the road again, you know, mm-hmm. and then I went to use my card, and, and it, was, it wasn't working. And I go, oh, that's weird. And I call my bank, and they go, oh, the, the check you deposited... Bounce. Oh, so you and, wrote checks on it. Yeah. And then, and, oh. then, and then I was like, what? That's the worst that feeling in the world. That's, that, a comedy, that's comedy money. It's solid. Yeah. So did they ever make it right and pay for the... Yeah, yeah. The guy actually was really nice. He took a little while, but, but he, he covered, he paid all my, oh, my overdraft fees and sent me... Really? Oh, that's good. But still. You know, my uh, grandmother... Uh, was born in the branch. I don't know. Um, okay. Who's, who's watching? Is someone watching TV? There's TV on in there. Oh. That's to keep the robbers away. They're going to think, oh, there's little people in there moving around. <laughs> 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 there's something to the uh, yeah. cartoon character walking across the... <laughs> hey, um, I didn't add too good to that one. Like, I tried to add in, but I wasn't good at it. I can't believe what a lightweight you are, Todd. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, man. <laughs> man, this is some groovy shit, right? Huh? So anyway, this guy tells me that his wife was raped ten times. That's some funky shit, motherfucker. <laughs> what? Who what? is this guy? What's his name? Todd Glass. Oh, oh. good answer. Yeah, if you want to lie. No. That's really what I think. That's you caught me. Hey Todd, what's up with your management? They merge with somebody or something like that? I can't talk about it. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, um, Alex went over to Girl Street. Uh huh. Okay. And did you go over there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I like Alex. I mean, of course. So I'll tell you something. If he ever drops me, I'll choke him to death. <laughs> what if you had the crazy client like that? I just love that he's. His real name's Alejandro or something, and he grew up in Spain. Nobody and... knows that. Shut your mouth. Okay, I won't venture. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Back. I'm kidding. No, I know you are. <laughs> I was about to continue. Why? Where are you going, Daniel? I got a call back. I'll be right back. Oh yeah. By the way, lying flows out of your mouth so successfully. <laughs> I got a call back. <laughs> I have to call back somebody back. What are you, a Brian Regan bit? I saw Brian Regan on TV. I, I got to call back somebody back. I'm calling a body back. Todd, so um, let me ask you, um, let's change gears here a little bit. Um, why didn't you go into the light? What? Why didn't you go into the light? Why didn't I go The in- tunnel. What tunnel, Tom? Your heart attack, Todd. <laughs> you mentioned your heart attack, and so, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm wondering, when you were faced with a decision to go into the light, what pulled you back? I didn't go towards the light. Uh-huh. Would you stop doing that? Uh huh. You're acting interested in like what right. Were there angels? Listening. Was the was the no, tunnel lined with angels? You have a preconceived notion of what I went through, and instead of asking me what it was like, you're telling me what it was Todd, like. Todd, was there a dark energy in the tunnel? Okay, stop doing that. 
You're, it's very, just say, hey, what was it like? And I'll tell you, don't go, what were the tunnels like? Wow, and what did the doctors say when you were revived <laughs> for the fifth time? I was never revived five uh-huh. times. You're not even listening. Were they surprised that you were able to recount moments of the surgery that you were not present for? Do you have an illness? Uh-huh. What are you doing? Are you oh, talking? is this the story when you died? Yeah, he, when he went what to the light. What are you talking about? I didn't die. I'm asking him questions heard, about the light. You heard I died, too? I heard you died. Guys, did I die and I don't know it? I'm not even Oh, my God. Around. Did you not know you were dead? Did I really die, guys? Are you fucking with me or not? Ooh. Did I die? I know you're scared now because you realize I don't really know. Tell me the truth and I can handle it. Did okay, I die? Okay, can you handle it? Yes. If we're going to be honest here, we want to know you can handle it. I can handle it. I know something funky is about to be told to me. This is heavy stuff. What? I died. You just realized I didn't know. I can tell the look in your faces. When I went, I didn't die. I thought you are still dead. This whole radio show is a chance to try and get you to come to the light. Is that we something? Realized <laughs> the only way we could get you. <laughs> Senator Pastore, this is a philosophical statement and would take about 10 minutes to read, so I'll not do that. Oh. One of the first things that a child learns in a healthy family is trust. And I trust what you have said that you will read this. It's very important to me. I care deeply about children. My first children... Will it make you happy if you read it? I'd just like to talk about it, if it's all right. right. My first children's program was on WQED 15 years ago and its budget was $30. Now, with the help of the Sears Roebuck Foundation and National Educational Television, as well as all of the affiliated stations, each station pays to show our program. It's a unique kind of funding in educational television. With this help, now our program has a budget of $6,000. It may sound like quite a difference, but $6,000 pays for less than two minutes of cartoons. Two minutes of animated, what I sometimes say, bombardment. I'm very much concerned, as I know you are, about what's being delivered to our children in this country. And I've worked in the field of child development for six years now trying to understand the inner needs of children. We deal with such things as as the inner drama of childhood. We don't have to bop somebody over the head to make him to to make drama on the screen. We deal with such things as getting a haircut or the feelings about brothers and sisters and the kind of anger that arises in simple family situations. And we speak to it constructively. How long a program is it? It's a half hour every day. Most channels schedule it in the the noontime as well as in the evening. Uh, WETA here has scheduled it in the late afternoon. Could we get a copy of this so that we can see it? Maybe not today, but I'd like to see the program. 
I'd like very much for you I'd to like see. I'd like to see the program itself, or any one of them, you see. We, we made a hundred programs for EEN, the Eastern Educational Network, and then when the money ran out, people in Boston and Pittsburgh and Chicago all came to the fore and said, we've got to have more of this neighborhood expression of care. And this is what, this is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Uh, I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. I'm constantly concerned about what our children are seeing. And for 15 years, I have tried in this country and Canada to present what I feel is a meaningful expression of care. Do you uh, narrate it? I'm the host, yes. And I do all the puppets, and I write all the music, and I write all the scripts. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. <laughs> Well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. I work with children do, doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, stop, stop any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady, and a boy can be someday a man. If you see your sister falling by the way, well, just stop and say, Girl, you're going the wrong way. 
Oh, my. 
It's you I like. It's not the things you wear, not the way you do your hair, but it's you I like. The way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your toys, they're just beside you. But it's you I like. Every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. And I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you. It's you. I like. It's you, I love.